Okay, first race is underway for 2023. Anton, how are you feeling about it? I'm so glad we finally got underway. Absolutely, me too. What an exciting race week, wasn't it? It was, it was. I'm still pumped. (laughs) I don't think that's going to go away. I mean, at this point, it's important to mention this is the longest season in the history of the sport. We have 24 races on the calendar this year. So I think that adrenaline is going to just carry us through. We'll probably end up with 23, though, with China being skipped. But uh, that's still the longest season. True. Very, very true. But still a long season, nonetheless. Uh, Well, I guess we can say that the season kicked off this weekend at the Bahrain International Circuit. And on the grid this year, I think it's important to mention that there are four new drivers for the season. So we had three rookies starting this year, DeVries, Sargent, and Piastri. And along with the return of the veteran of the sport, Nico Hulkenberg. How do you think our rookies did? You know what? I think that there was uh, a few shining moments, definitely for Sargent. I was impressed with his performance. I think qualifiers, he managed to tie Norris into Q2. Unfortunately, he didn't make it, though, because his lap was last. Uh, But he put on an impressive performance in the race as well, I think, at four Williams. And Piastri, unfortunately, during the race, he was retired and early on due to an electrical issue. So I think overall we haven't seen Piastri yet. It is still the first race. DeVries, again, early on to see. um, And Nico had a great qualifying. He finished in the top 10, which was impressive. However, the pace didn't seem to be there going into the race. And he also had some track limit issues where he faced a bit of penalty. I think he faced a five-second penalty, if my memory serves me well. He did. So all in all, I think that there's still a lot to be said. It's the first race, but I'm excited to see what these rookies are going to do. So before we wind it up back to qualifying, let's talk a little bit about the track itself. Okay, so the track itself, it holds three DRS zones, and it also has top speeds of about 326 kilometers an hour. There is plenty of overtaking opportunities, and there's also the element of unpredictability due to the possible high tire degradation. It's also the first race, so that means it's the first opportunity for teams to really put this season's car to the test. So how did you see the Saturday of qualifying unfold? Well, we definitely saw a lockout on the front row for Red Bull. Red Bull strong, Max taking pole position, Perez finishing in P2. We saw the second row lockout for Ferrari, Leclerc in P3. We saw Sainz P4. Interestingly enough, uh, Leclerc did not do a second run during qualifying to compete for pole position because they felt that it was wiser to save a set of tires for the race. Now, Alonso, who obviously we're going to touch on later on, But he slid into P5 with Mercedes following behind and his teammate, Aston Martin teammate, Stroll finishing in P8. Rounding out the top 10, we had Esteban Ocon in 9th and Nico finishing in 10th for Haas. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat how Stroll got himself out of Q1 where he was under high pressure to set a single lap and he did. It was a shame that Sargent didn't make it out of Q1 because... Like you mentioned before, he set the same time as Norris, so Norris was lucky there. I think in general, McLaren were quite disappointing already in, in qualifying or already in the build-up to to the whole season during testing as well. Hülkenberg was, like you mentioned, quite a, quite a surprise. I mean, I didn't see him get into Q3 that easily 
before we started qualifying, but he did. And he actually set a good lap during Q3 as well, which was deleted, I think. And at the time, it was the sixth time. So he was he really had a good day. He did. His pace was really well uh, for qualifying. I think it's also important to mention as well, Gasly, that he had his lap time deleted and that resulted in him having to finish him at the back of the grid for qualifying as well. So a little bit of a challenge, obviously, going into the race for his debut with Alpine. Fast five. As you may have heard in our introduction episode, we're going to highlight five moments or five things from the race that we think were great. Samantha, take it away. I think that we have to start with Fernando Alonso and the improvement of Aston Martin so far for this season. The race in general with Fernando, his clinical overtake on Hamilton, his relentless determination. I saw the Alonso that we know and love and the speed and the pace of the Aston Martin, the pit stop strategy to undercut Russell, providing Stroll with a great finish and Stroll as well to mention within weeks after surgery with both of his wrists, he was able to perform very well. I mean, during practice, we saw that he needed to be physically assisted out of the car. So he, his, he wasn't at a hundred percent, no matter what. Um, I thought that he had a solid qualifying and although he did have an issue in lap one where he tapped Alonso at the start, again, I felt that he was consistent and at times he offered defensively what Alonso needed against Mercedes to carry on to P3. I believe at this point they have a lot of momentum going into the season and I'm really interested to see how this pans out. Yeah, honestly, I've been on the Alonso hype train since the build-up of the season. So it was great to to watch this whole set of steps beginning from practice on Friday and then seeing him take P5 on qualifying and then seeing him do so well during the race. It was It was great. Absolutely. The hype train is real. And I feel like he is on that hype train himself. You could, even at the end, it was so... Great to see him on the podium. Uh, definitely flashes of historic moments that he has had in the past. And his board radio is great to listen to as well. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> he definitely was complimenting the car at the end. <laughs> he was, he was. Okay, so let's move on to the second one. Anton, why don't you uh, highlight that second uh, Fast Five? For me, it was great to see Albon taking P10 and fending off Tsunoda, although... I wouldn't have felt bad as to know that took a point as well, but uh, I think it was a good start of season for Williams. They have had a very tough last season. They've had a tough, tough couple of seasons, and it was good to to see them take at least a point on the first race. And I think Albon did it in style. And um, we've seen him take a P10 before last last year. Throughout the whole race, I was I was focusing on 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 his. And the strategy and, and, and how he would end up. And, uh, well, he didn't disappoint in the end, did he? I, I completely agree with you. I think that that's a really great 
one to mention is Williams because, again, we touched lightly on the fact that Sargent had a decent qualifying. He he almost made it into Q2. I think he ended up finishing decent in terms of his debut as a Williams driver and for his first season. And for Albon, that was the last few laps. He was really battling it out with Sonoda for that point. I think that going into this season, these are two teams that we're going to see often battling for hopefully points getting into the top 10. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. So what's your third moment? I'm going to highlight Alpine in general, because I think that we can discuss the fact that Gasly during the race put on an impressive performance in terms of what he was able to accomplish with what he initially started with. He started again at the back of the grid and he managed to come up over 11 positions and managed to get points finishing at P9. So this is his first race as well with Alpine. And I think in general, although qualifying didn't end so well, it was a satisfying result for him when it came to the race. Unfortunately for Esteban, we can say that that was different. He faced a lot of struggles He started with a five-second penalty for lining up on the grid incorrectly. Then he faced a 10-second penalty for serving the first one incorrectly. And then he was dealt another five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane. At the end, his race was an early retirement. So really frustrating weekend, I think, for Esteban. Did you see how he lined up with his tires at at the starting grid? Did you see how he lined up wrong? You know what? I didn't. I didn't see how he lined up wrong. Did you? Yeah, so it was just, you know, you can see his right tire being just slightly over that white line. And um, I think it's happened previously. And for example, last season in, in Interlagos, I think there were a couple of drivers who were also over the white line, but then they they figured that uh, the positions of the lines were were drawn incorrectly on the track. So I think Hamilton was one of the drivers yes. that that was not positioned correctly at that time, but he didn't get punished for it. So Ocon did. And then it was a disastrous late race for him. Like you said, he, the, the serving of the time penalty. Did you hear what, what went wrong exactly? In terms of the time penalty? Yeah. So actually, one of the mechanics touched the car four tenths of a second too early before finishing serving the time penalty. And then the pit lane speeding was only 0.1 kph over the speed limit. He was really unlucky. Well, I mean, it's his own doing in the end and that of the mechanic, but it wasn't his, it wasn't his most luckiest race. Unbelievable. It was definitely a race where he wasn't handed luck for sure. And uh, I mean, you could hear that on the radio come through towards the end of the race. True. Okay, Anton, so let's go back to you. What would be the third of the Fast Five? Well, I think it's worthwhile to mention again how good of a race Gasly had. I think if it weren't for Alonso getting to the podium, Gasly would have definitely gotten the drive of the day reward. Other than that, I think because of all the focus being on Alonso, we do need to also realize how good of a race Stroll had, even though he did touch Alonso in that first lap. And even though you already mentioned him, I think with the conditions that he was driving in under, it's 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 quite impressive what he did. I completely agree. I think that it is something to really put a spotlight on as well. 
when you are in a situation where your body is not at 100% and you're still performing the way that he was able to in the first race of the season, that's quite impressive. Agreed. Okay, Anton. So you touched on Pierre and also Stroll. So I think we have just one more for the Fast Five, and I'm going to just highlight the McLaren woes, sadly, this weekend. I don't think that there was, judging by communication that we had seen through McLaren, a high expectation for a great performance this weekend. But nonetheless, I think that it was still a frustrating and disappointing weekend for them overall. Lando narrowly sneaked into Q2 during qualifying. He did start from P11. Piastri in his debut, starting from 18th for the race on Sunday. And unfortunately for Oscar, his race was cut short by lap 13 after an electrical issue, it seemed. For Lando, it was a very difficult race. It seemed like he was struggling with balance initially. He then encountered lengthy pit stops. Ultimately, they had six pit stops for Norris overall, and it ended with a P17 result. So again, I think it was a very difficult weekend for McLaren. There are a lot of things that we have yet to see. It is the start of the season, but it's something that leaves less to be desired at this point. Did you hear how both team principals of Repo and McLaren confirmed that there were talks about possible working together for supply of powertrains for next I did season see that. for 2026 season, I suppose? I did see that. And look, that may be something that McLaren needs in order to gain an advantage because right now, the way that things are starting, it's not looking good. It ain't. Okay, so I think that wraps up the Fast Five. So let's head on over to the podium and talk about the finishing result. So what are your thoughts on the Red Bull 1-2? I think that it was a very strong start for Red Bull. They were effective on tire management and strategy. And they had clean pit stops. Max finishing at the top of the podium. Perez in second. One-two finish is just the perfect way to start your season. What do you think? I think we should move on straight away to P3. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) So we move on to P3. And uh, again, impressive, impressive beginning for Alonso at Aston Martin. It It was just great to see that. I thought that some really important highlights were his overtakes, uh, the brilliance behind the overtake and the timed overtakes between Hamilton and Sainz. They were done effectively. They were clean. And he became driver of the day, and deservedly so. Yeah, that battle with, well, both battles were great, but that one with Hamilton was just awesome, how he first overtook him, and then he had a little snap, and then Hamilton took him back and he, he overtook him again. It was it was great. And then actually it was funny to see how, I think it was on, on turn 10, how um, Sainz didn't let him take the, the inside pass. Uh, but then he, he overtook him anyway on the outside. It was, it, was, it was both great battles to watch. And it was really good to see Alonso have a competitive car again. And yeah, I, I can only imagine how he feels himself about it. Oh, he definitely seemed happy by the end, that's for sure. And so was the team. You could see the, clearly the elation in regards to winning winning a podium and being at the top of the beginning. And um, I think that you really also see how the car plays to his strengths. And it's exciting. It's an exciting time 
for Alonzo and for the team, this potentially would will add more depth overall to the season and to what's laid out in front of us. I mean, we were just, just discussing in our previous episode the fact that it would be really exciting to see three teams battling it out for the top, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. I think that we can start to consider putting Aston Martin in that conversation as well when it comes to podium wins. Yeah, and it was just great to see how during the whole weekend there was this vibe of, you know, Alonso would possibly get a good result and everybody, you know, everybody was hoping for it, perhaps not everybody, but, you know, a lot of people were talking about it and it was, (laughs) I was a little bit nervous to see if he would be able to execute it. Absolutely. And let's not also forget the fact that he is the oldest driver on the grid. He also comes with a wealth of experience, but to be able to be at that caliber is just incredible, incredible. And I think, like you said, maybe not everybody would, of course, you can't have everybody impressed, but I think a lot of people were overjoyed to see him back at a podium and fighting in the way that he was. And imagine how rewarding it must be for him to be able to stand on the podium that much later in life. Well, let's see if he can add a couple of podiums to that this this year. I think he's definitely got a shot. Okay, so let's get into the Forecast F1 prediction results. So, Anton, do you want to touch on who our top three finishers were for Worldwide? Yes, so the third spot on the podium was taken by Yannick Lee, who's from Canada, and he had a correct podium predicted, and he also had Stroll in the correct place. Other than that, he scored points for Sainz, Hamilton, Russell, Bottas, and Gasly. Uh, Most of them not in the correct spot, but most of them just one place away from where they actually finished, so he scored 80.5 points. The top spot of the podium was taken by two people this weekend who finished with the same score of 81 points, who were Meiden Cordova from the United States and Friso Hofker, my cousin from the Netherlands. So they both had a correct podium. They both had Hamilton in the right spot as well. And then they had slightly different predictions towards the latter places in the top 10. But as I mentioned, they scored the same amount of points, which was 81. Well, congratulations to the top three. Great results. So to learn a little bit more about the scores, I'm going to ask you a couple of things, Samantha. So how many people do you think actually predicted the correct winner? Are we doing it on a percentage? No, we're just you're just going to tell me how many people you think had Verstappen at first place. In his <laughs> I'm trying to generalize it because I because I know I'm terrible at this, but I'm going to estimate. OK, numbers wise, so we had 552 overall. I am going to say 275. You're about 100 people off. So there were 372 <laughs> people at Verstappen in P1 in their picks. I forewarned you, I'm going to be terrible at this. So how many people do you think that didn't even have Verstappen on the podium? Ooh, okay. Well, if I was about 100 off, I'm going to say 80 people. Way less. (laughs) It was only 37 (laughs) people. Well, that also speaks to the confidence that everyone has that Max is going to get on the podium. True. 
True. Did you see how actually Joe took away that point for fastest lap in her last lap? Yes, I definitely saw that. And although I guess he does not get a point himself, it was nice to see him get fastest lap. I still firmly believe that he's going to have a great season this year. How many people do you think predicted Joe having the fastest lap this race? Ooh, that's a good question because I don't think it's going to be high. <laughs> I'm going to say three people. Uh, there was just one person. Wow. But neither does that person get the point because Joe didn't get the point. The whole idea of the game is you score the points that the driver score. So no points. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next up, usually we're going to have a look at who's first on the competition, but because of this being the first race, obviously that the podium is the top three in the competition right now. So how many people do you think predicted Alonso to take P3? I think it's I think it's going to be actually quite high, just given the results going into this weekend in terms of practice and the momentum that Aston Martin had. So... I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess 150, which in my mind, I think is high. <laughs> so there were 83 people who had him correctly predicted on P3. There were 59 who actually had him on P2. And there were 18 people who had predicted him to take the win this weekend. So what was the overall amount then for the podium? I think that makes it pretty close. That would make it 160 people that had him on the podium this weekend. Mm. Okay, that was my closest guess yet, but well, that's 160 people that were close and had firm belief that he was going to be on the podium. So now going down a little bit in the order, how many people do you think had predicted that Alban would take P10? Well, I know one of the people that picked P10 for Alban was my mom, so there's definitely at least one person in the prediction game. <laughs> that's right. That's right, but I'm going to say... Let's say 10 people. There were 20. Okay. And there were even more people who had Albon on P10 than there were people who had Stroll on P6. There were only 19 who had that correct. I, I would imagine that probably the reason why there was less was because of his injury as well. True. That makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people knew that or had their feeling that Aston Martin would do well this race, but... But I wasn't expecting Stroll. Did you have him in your top 10 or not? I did not. And the reason why I chose not to have him in there was simply just due to the fact of his physical condition. After seeing him in practice, I wasn't that confident in thinking that he was going to be able to carry through in qualifying and race. So, again, this is why he is someone that we definitely put in the Fast Five and mentioned to be recognized. Because I think that he surprised a lot of people with his performance this weekend. Yeah, he did. He did surprise me, too. I didn't have him in my top 10 either. Did you see any of the other people that made it to the first 20 places in the game this weekend? Well, no, because the reason why I did not see a lot was I was told to limit my exposure to the results during this time so I could properly guess without knowing <laughs> what the outcomes were going to be. So, no, I truly have gone in blind for the most part, in terms of everybody's results for this weekend, uh, other than, unfortunately, where I stood, which was not that great after this race weekend. <laughs> I did not do well in terms of my predictions. 
Very good. So let's talk about some of the people that did actually get some very good scores. Did you see that Nancy, who, by the way, visited the Bahrain circuit for the full weekend, made it to P11. She had a she had a shared P11 together with uh, Matteo Poletti from Pullman Racing. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, great job, Nancy. I know that she was, like you said, at the race uh, to be able to witness it live, which I mean, all of us could live vicariously through her this weekend, uh, especially if you follow her on Instagram and you see her stories being there. And so I think that was definitely on her side and very nice result for both of them. And did you see that your friend Britt also made it to the first 20 places? She finished P16. Now that I definitely knew. And the reason why was because I was physically with Britt watching the race. Uh, Britt is also one of my best friends. And we were together when the results came to at the end of the race and she realized that she had a really great result. So really happy to see her at the top starting the season. Yeah, that made it actually two Canadians into the top 20, also two Dutch people in the top 20. Very nice. So now that we've had our first weekend of Forecast F1, we can also have a little bit of a look at where the people that are playing are coming from. So let me just mention the biggest three countries in the game. So there were 40 people from India that played this weekend. And then the second spot is for Lebanon. They had 34 people playing the game and they actually outscored the Indians uh, by a little bit. And the third place is for the Netherlands where we had 28 people playing. And you'll be able to see more of those stats later on when they get published on the website. So if you're somebody that's still on the fence or you're not completely certain of what Forecast F1 is all about, number one, you can find more details in our previous initial episode, our introductory episode, where we highlight and go over the details of the prediction game itself. And again, if you are somebody who is hesitant, you can join at any time. It's not going to change ultimately where you stand. I mean, you may be coming on a little bit later, but you still have a great opportunity to be able to compete with each and every single person. We would love to continue to expand and truly expand worldwide. That is our goal. That is what this is all about. And if you want to find more details or if you are interested in joining, you can follow the Instagram page at forecast underscore F1. So do please join us for the next race, which is going to be in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. The race itself is on the 19th of March. So that means you have two weeks to think about who you're going to pick for your top 10 in your fastest lap and do submit them 12 hours before qualifying starts. So for this year's season, that's going to be the rule. Submitting your list needs to be done 12 hours before qualifying. Qualifying itself is eight o'clock local time in Jeddah. So you got to convert to your own time zone. Think about when qualifying starts and just wind the clock back 12 hours that's the last moment you can submit your picks. But you can also keep in mind that you can always watch FP1 and FP2 in a normal race weekend, but you'll never be able to watch FP3. So your picks always need to be made in between FP2 on the Friday and FP3 on the Saturday. Easiest is just to submit it on Friday afternoon, then you know you're on time. And given the time of the deadline, you'll usually not be able to pick up any of the news anyway on the Saturday. So the easiest thing, just submit on Friday and you're set. And if you're somebody like myself 
who decides over and over again that they want to change their picks multiple times, you absolutely can do that. Uh, much to Anton's likely frustrations, however, you absolutely can if you need to, just as long as you are making it before the deadline. No frustration whatsoever, even if you want to make your picks just right after the race. So let's say you've just watched Bahrain, you have something in your head, just put it down, jot it down and look at it maybe in a couple of weeks. Then the worst case, you forget about it, but you already made your list and you're at least going to score a couple of points. So I always suggest people to to even make a backup list because uh, there's really unlimited amount of times that you can change your list. I'll keep that in mind this weekend. Just be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I think that wraps it up, Anton. This is our second episode, of course. So going into Jeddah, do you have any thoughts? Well, I'm just super excited that we're on the way. And I can't wait for time to fly by and get ready for Jeddah. Absolutely. It's definitely going to fly by. This is a long season that we have ahead of us. And the next track is a street circuit. So it's going to be really exciting. And I can't wait to see it. And I think we can all collectively say that we are eager to make our predictions. We'll be back in two weeks. Bye, everyone.